Hello and welcome to the Wonder Women podcast. My name is Katie Freeman and I am your host. Every week, every Wednesday and Friday, I bring you an interview of a female or non-binary maker uh, from all walks of making and from all over the world. Today's guest is Sylvie Rosenthal. And Sylvie is a woodworker, a furniture maker, a sculptor, just really, especially anything in wood uh, in specifically, just can do some magical things. So I really enjoyed chatting with Sylvie and learning about her roots starting from age six and how she's just like continued that love of making and love of learning all the way through. I will say that at the end of this interview, I was super jazzed. So I'm pretty pumped to know that all of you will be super jazzed as well. Before we hop into the interview with Sylvie, I want to give a big shout out and thanks to the patrons over on Patreon. So thank you so much, Kevin, Lefty's Woodshop, Christy, Twisted Twine, Christina B, Jeremy Spies, Sammy, Go Sammy Lee, Sven, Dwarf Size Workshop, Rachel, Moody Makes, Bonnie, Tool Mom, Bonnie, ToolMomStore.com, Laura, Oakley Soap Company, Mary Lou, Made by Mary Lou, Amy, Bison Valley Carving, Dan and Kelly Reclaim Living Store, Brandy Studio Obey, Kathy, uh, the one with the tools, Ellen Little Bear Furniture, and Ethan, Ethan Carter Designs. Thank you all so very much for your ongoing and continued support helping to produce two episodes a week, every week. If you would like to get your name on that list that gets read at the start of every podcast episode, please go check out patreon.com forward slash wonder women pod and women is with an E N. Okay. So wonder women pod, go check that out. A bunch of different tier levels to choose from starting at $1 a month, all the way up to a $30 a month, which makes you a podcast sponsor and get your own little spot within the inner, within the, episode. All right. No further ado, here is Sylvie and uh, enjoy the interview. See you on the other side. Um, So yeah, I like to start by having my guests introduce themselves. So when you're ready, I'm going to let you do that. Okay. So hello, my name is Sylvie Rosenthal. I am an artist, woodworker, sculptor, educator, and designer based in Madison, Wisconsin. And my studio is Lower Astronomy Studios. Excellent. And that's a long list of things to like be. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> so uh, my, my first question is a, bi- is a big one, but I want to know, tell me your, your story from, from the start, from like kid to how you got to where you're at. 
So yeah, great question. Um, I got to where I'm at because of my childhood. Um, I do not come from a family of makers. Um, I do come from a family of artistic people, but um, I grew up at the age of five, I started going to taking classes at a design education museum just outside of New Haven, Connecticut, where I learned to build like Alexander Calder-esque circuses and robots. And um, it was a pretty free form thing. The first class I took there, I was five and it was on fire and I was the youngest, the only girl, but I did learn how to light matches, make spark machines, build sterno steam cannons and rockets. So I was pretty well hooked. And from the time I was in like late elementary school, I worked there one day a week to two days a week. And then um, continuing on through high school, I always worked there two days a week two to three days a week. Sometimes I went there one day a week, like seventh grade, instead of going to school five days a week, I went there um, just because it suited me better than traditional education. So there we really, you know, I learned how to use a bandsaw, drill press, all of those things. So I was like a weird kid who liked to connect things together and make, make stuff. So all the tools in the house were mine from the, like my grandfather was also the person who like, when I was five, took me into the basement and taught me how to hammer nails. Um, my dad, you don't wanna see with a screwdriver in his hand because he does not know which is the business end. Um, but uh, yeah, so when I was 10, my mom got me my first little 7.2 volt cordless Makita drill and jigsaw. And I just was, I just used them. so. Um, I did, I, I did a lot of making as a kid and, you know, learned how to use nail guns and did all sorts of really dumb stuff. Um, like we would, before there was a dust collector in the shop, I liked to do like archeology span digs in the bottom of the table <laughs> saw to see all the different colors. And then I would like steal a lighter from Walgreens get a bag of sawdust and set up a six foot ladder and get some other kid in cahoots with me. And you could like sprinkle, like tear the bag a little bit, light a lighter, tear the rest of it. And it would go, Woof! which was like, obviously a really terrible idea. Um, but you're still here so to tell about it. So <laughs> I'm here to tell about it. And like, yeah. Um, yeah, we did all sorts of stuff like that because there were there was like a cohort of us who would go there and do and um, and help run this place. We were apprentices, um, and so that was really formative. The apprentice system, and um, I learned a lot there, like accountability because we were employees slash apprentices and were held accountable for what we were supposed to be doing or not doing, um, and we got. It was a good lesson in getting um, yelled at by angry angry adults. Um, so whether, you know, and, and, and it actually like, my boss at the time had a really bad temper, also only had one eye. So I've had like safety and stuff like that beaten into my head because 
I've seen the underside of an eye patch more times than I would have liked to. Um, and you would get, you could get in trouble for something that was your for fault or not your fault. And like, sometimes you had to take it either way, which was actually like a really great life lesson, mm -hmm. um, of responsibility and, and all of that. But I, um, I left home before I finished high school and finished it in Austin, Texas with me and my sisters lived together. And I went to welding school. Um, when I was 19, I did a terrible job applying to college the first time. Um, so I went to the Austin Community College for welding for a year, but I did not want a 40 hour a week oil rig job. Um, Cause I was 19 and was like, that doesn't sound fun. Um, so then the next year I applied to the Rochester Institute of Technology for woodworking and furniture design. And I went there and that was really great for tempering like the belt sander racing kid in me. Um, and it was at that point, a really, um, sort of traditional European woodworking school. Like we had to tune all our tools and flatten the board by hand and, and do all of that, which was really, really, it was like exactly what I needed at that point. Um, and a really wonderful education. So that was a four-year woodworking program. Um, and then in the summers, one of my professors there, Andy Buck, had been a core student at the Penland School of Crafts. And he was like, you should apply to do a summer program at Penland. And I was like, okay. So the summer after, I think it was like my junior year, must have been my junior year um, or, or sophomore year, I applied. Yeah, after my sophomore year, I, I went to Penn, I took, I got a scholarship to take a class at Anderson Ranch and one at Penland. And that was really wonderful and sort of introduced me to the wider world of wider community within craft. And it was, it was great and I loved it. And then, so when I was down at Penland, I made some new friends there. And the next two summers I helped run that, run the wood shop there. And while I was there, I met Doug Sigler who taught, had taught, had just retired from RIT. My first year of college was his first year of retirement. And we met there, which was really great because we decided that we would have been oil and water at RIT, but we worked very, very well together. I was the first woman to work for him and we built um, houses. So mm -hmm. he was a woodworker who turned to artisan home building. So it was like after my RIT education, I was like, I need to learn some practical skills. Like I can make dovetails like a motherfucker, but like, <laughs> I don't know how to make a reasonably priced object, right, right? you know? So in terms of like life skills and knowing how things are made and what's behind your walls and just my curiosity on that and building bigger, he built houses uh, we built houses with a really small crew. There was only three to five of us. Um, and yeah, building houses in the in Western North Carolina was a really wonderful part of my education. And we did everything from like digging the footers to making the built-ins to building all the doors to, um, and one of the things that did was really like collapse my understanding of like, preciousness of material mm. 
but still respecting it, like having a piece of 16 quarter, you know, 10 inch wide cherry that is being used as a mantle. And you're like, dude, you can measure this all day, but at some point you are going to have to cut it. Like, (laughs) and you just have to trust yourself. Right. Right. And I feel like home building was a really wonderful education and trust and trusting your decisions and other people's decisions, because you literally have to walk on the roof that you may or may not have put on and you can't check everything because you'll never move forward. Um, And that was really wonderful. So I don't know how long of a story. Yeah, you're, you're good. You're good. I'll Um, let you keep going. (laughs) And so I worked for Doug. The first house was framed in when I started and I finished the first house with him or a house, my first house, he had built Mm -hmm. many. Um, And then I went out to, California for a semester to to work with Wendy Mariama out at San Diego State and then stayed out there for like eight months was her studio assistant interacted with the grads and then I went back to North Carolina and made a deal with Doug that I would work part-time for him and full-time for myself Hmm. Um, and we would I would stay for a house from the ground up um, and we did that and that was really wonderful. So I bartered for, I lived in an apartment on a wood shop off a dirt road, off a dirt road, um, which was really great. And in uh, also like in a community of makers, similar to myself, like my friends were all like ceramic artists, blacksmiths, and we were all working in our, you know, sort of had very similar lifestyles. Um, and so that was really great. And then after two years, I moved, or two and a half years, I moved down to Asheville. And by then I had been, I had traded for some studio space with Doug. So I was starting to get equipment. Um, and I moved into a co, me and my friend Brent Skidmore made a shop. He's now, he's still in Asheville and teaches at UNCA. And then after about two years there, Um, I was like, okay, either I need to like get a full-time assistant and like buy in real hard or not. And it, it, I felt like I still needed to do a little bit of a walkabout and I had been invited to do a residency here in Madison, Wisconsin for a semester. And so I did that and started a totally new body of work, which felt really good Um, And then I went out to California again and did another residency at San Diego State. And then I decided I wanted to go to graduate school because I sort of felt like my work was sculptural, but really wanted to take that time to like dig deep into my own process and how research affected it and um, just go, go deeper within my own process and the ways I wanted to work and operate. Um, so I did that and I'm, and I'm still here. So I came, I chose UW Madison. I went for sculpture. Um, I had met someone here who I was dating and I decided that it was grad school is an awfully selfish thing to do and to like be in a new relationship and be like, hey, you want to move somewhere new where I go shove my head all the way up my own butt and don't pay attention to you? Um, so I stayed here and it's a really great lifestyle. My sweetheart is a carpenter who just started. We've been together about 10 years and they just, they do high-end residential remodeling and also welding. Um, and we 
Um, amazingly enough, we don't work well together. Um, people are like, you should share a shop. And we're like, no, no, <laughs> we can assist each other. And like, we can work on house stuff together. But um, I have a studio outside the house. Um, so yeah. And you and said you're, so you did grad school. You said, so are you a, a teach a professor now? No, teaching, I'm or? not a professor now. Okay. I'm not a professor. I came in second place. <laughs> um, which I think is actually, you know, was, was pretty painful in a lot of ways. I felt like I let a lot of my mentors down just because of the legacy of this particular yeah. school. My mentors mentor built this woodworking program up. Um, and, um, but I think that the, a bigger recognition is that I don't fit neatly anywhere and I'm not the easiest person to deal with. Um, which I'm becoming more and more okay with. Um, and yeah, that I don't, I can, you know, you can contort yourself to fit into these right. predetermined boxes where you said like the list of what I do is very broad. I'm a sucker for an interesting prompt. Um, and I think that the, um, how I operate in the world isn't necessarily suited to the ivory tower hmm. of the academy. I do, however, teach at our amazing community college program. Okay. Um, and I've, I've been doing that for years. I did teach at UW-Madison for about three years. Um, and it was great. I loved my students. I really loved it. I was like, I'm down, you know, like mm -hmm. I was really ready to be down. And I thought that I provided a really good vision for the program. I think that um, how other people make decisions about the potential future of craft and making within the academy, um, everybody has different ideas, mm -hmm. right? And like, mm -hmm. I think that, um, the person who got the job will do a brilliant job. They're a dear friend, um, but it's just different. It's a different yep. vision. And I think. Um, can I, can I pause you to ask a question? Yeah. Is yeah. it. Is the vision that's being laid out more quote unquote traditional. And what I mean by that is. Um, <laughs> stay in your lane stay yeah i think it's more staying i think so what i think it is is it has not it's not grown beyond the studio furniture model mm -hmm. and studio furniture in my opinion i have a lot of opinions <laughs> um and this is purely my opinion studio furniture is not a viable thing anymore mm -hmm. you can make it and enjoy it but there are no galleries that sell it right mm -hmm. it's like it's um it, it's not something that can produce viable offspring right like right. it is yeah. a thing itself it was a thing but it is no longer I don't think it's a generative model mm -hmm. and I think that a lot of places in um like there's this urge to all want to be the same thing. Like all the schools like want to be a RISD, 
right? Yeah. Where yeah. the program I came from, RIT, back in the day, like it produced people for industry. It produced people for who built for industry, designed for industry, small shop, large shop, right? Like everybody was included and it wasn't just about art furniture, right? It was about- Thank- I want to tell you a little bit about today's episode's sponsor, Athena Outfitters. So when I'm in the market for a new pair of work boots, I do a ton of research, make sure I'm getting something that's going to fit right and going to last. Well, Athena Outfitters is a quality workwear brand for hardworking women that has a tons of experience with footwear. They've taken the time to select the very best shoes and boots made by each of the most reliable footwear brands. And when I shop at Athena Outfitters site, it saves me time and energy because I trust that they found the best shoes for every job and activity. Plus bonus, you can shop online. So next time you need new work boots or some other type of high performance shoe, check out athenaoutfitters.com, gear with grit, and Athena is A-T-H-E-N-A, and then outfitters.com. You can also get a special discount at checkout by using the coupon code MM, that's capital M, capital M15 for 15% off any purchase just because you're a listener of the podcast. All right, let's hop back into the episode. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think to your point, like, um, and, I, and I really, like, I don't want this to come off as, like, bashing in any way, but, like, like through my work with the podcast, right, I've had people who come from all walks of life into creating, and not always just creating furniture, but into creating, and there is definitely, a like a standard vibe that comes off of people coming out of academia to it versus coming from like a, not always like DIY, but just a more like, to your point, like industry route to Mm -hmm. it. Right. Um, And now do I think to myself, I would have loved to go to college for like furniture design and woodworking like I absolutely like that's probably going to be one of my my biggest regrets is not having that experience in my life however I also like I think now feel like if I had that would have limited me like I feel like I wouldn't have as broad of a perspective on Mm -hmm. like what craft could be if I had gone that route Right. And I think that after, after RIT, it was a wonderfully technical education and I, it was exactly what I needed. And I really appreciate that. Like there is inherent benefit in designing your own work. Mm-hmm. I'm glad we didn't do replicas. Um, but I think that there was also a lot of unlearning just as when you mm-hmm. go through any education, like the pendulum sort of has to right. swing and you find your own, you know, like medium of where all those things intersect and you find your spot in it you know and I think that Mm -hmm. that's the beautiful 
thing is that there is no like pre-designed map, right? Like there are all these channels that you can go in. And I think that that's really important. And that's why like, I like doing a number of different things. Like when I teach at the community college, we have a really wonderful construction and remodeling program um, here in Madison. And like, you know, half of the people who work there are women. Mm-hmm. you know, they're queer, they're like, and mm-hmm. it's, it's wonderfully inclusive, but it's also the community college model where you get a divert way yeah. more diversity yep. than you do, you know? So I love the opportunity to teach with them because at like bottom line for me is like teaching people how to use tools is empowering. Absolutely. Right. And yeah. like, that's where like my thing of educating is, is that like, I want everybody to be able to fit, you know, like how I recognize my position of privilege as, as like a white middle-class woman who has dealt in a cis male world that like, I will buck up. Like, I don't care anymore. Like I'll make an awkward situation more awkward, you know, (laughs) if you're like, well, I'd like the, you know, like, you know, I don't know anything like I need the I need the male part of that you're like you need a dick plug is that what you're saying (laughs) you know like I I, but that's a privilege like I've dealt with subs I can deal with people like I can play the game um and that that really and because of my experience and the worlds I've operated in I can do that no problem but I want women you know and especially POC women to feel comfortable dealing with subs or knowing Mm -hmm. what to do in their own houses to empower themselves, you Mm -hmm. know, and I, um, that I really like the idea of having like all these women in Madison who can like skill swap and like help each other with their (laughs) renovations for a day and like building, you know, that it does build community, Mm -hmm. like metaphorically and literally and all of those things. Um, So, you know, and it's really, my own work is a lot of different things, but when I teach at the community college, it's like, I love the pragmatism of their programs because it's like, they do the research about, you know, their different sub programs Mm -hmm. that like do the research of what industry needs to get, start training people for like living wage union jobs right in town, <laughs> you know, which is just, is also really, really important. And I get really excited about that because I know that people who make things artists, like we are valuable to our communities. Like I pay this, I pay a mortgage, I pay rent, I pay right. my employees <laughs> as well as I can, you know, that like we can be we are a solid part, you know, it's not like, oh, they sleep late, blah, blah, blah. If like my privilege in life is missing rush hour, I'll take it, you know, like I can go <laughs> into work when I want and leave when I want, you know, um, but it's a hustle. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, yeah, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. Like, I think that all of that gets missed in the more traditional, like university world and like I mean personally totally my opinion I don't think studio furniture was ever 
a viable option <laughs> as far as like making a career and actually making money off of it. I mean, anybody I talk to who's like a furniture maker, like that's not their only job. Like there's like, no. has to be like a, you know, and, and I joke with my daughter, like, you know, cause she's right now she's five and she's big into telling everybody that mommy is a woodworker, um, you know? And, and so she'll be like, well, I want to be like a fashion designer and a teacher and a woodworker. And I said, that's awesome. Cause you're going to have to do all three to make, like, yeah. to make like a living wage off of any of those things. You're going to have yeah, to do more and than I that. <laughs> I think one of the things that Doug Sigler, my mentor, instilled in me is that it's more than making a living, it's making a life. Like yes. this, it's yeah. a lifestyle. Like I yeah. choose it if I wanted a more sustainable income through woodworking, I would make kitchen cabinets, but mm -hmm. I don't want to. Right. You yeah. know, and also again, like that's, I've negotiated this long enough that like, you know, because I've been doing woodworking for over 20 years, you know, mm -hmm. that it's, um, yeah, it is a hustle and like big changes like this year that like mm -hmm. shuffled stuff tremendously, <laughs> you know, and having enough of a business sense and like enough of a, you know, like how to adjust your cash flow. Like I've never had going to grad school was the most corporate job I've ever had. <laughs> Right. You know, so like, whereas people are freaked out about like, I don't know where I'm going to get my income in three months. I'm like, oh my God, what do you mean? I can't take time off. It's like, duh, you don't work. You don't get paid. Right. Like what, what is paid vacation? Like who gets that? You right. know? Yeah. yeah. It's just not a thing that happens in the real world. Yeah. You know? And like, I think like for me, it's always like negotiating and renegotiating my relationship with capitalism to be healthy and like think about it because like I don't care that much about money but we all have to care right you know like <laughs> like you need at least you know some place to live and like right. some amount of food and like, right you know, right clothing. and like for the longest time like you know I kept my overhead really 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 low because I would travel like mm -hmm. once a week a month or like for teaching or for shows or to visit visiting artist things and then last February, I doubled my square footage and that, you know, that has a huge impact on my mm -hmm. overhead and what I do, but it's also allowed me to stop being a shapeshifter as much where like, I have to move this from over here to work on this mm -hmm. and I can finish while also using my table saw, while, you know, <laughs> right. like, which is huge. And especially right. with COVID, you know, I have, um, in, I have assistants two to three days a week. And it allowed me to keep us safe, mm -hmm. you know, like I couldn't have done that in this, in, you know, my 1100 square foot studio, but now that it's like 2,400 square feet, I can. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about that. So you listed again, a big list at the start of the, so what are you, I mean, what kind of things are you making in your studio? So in the studio, we do a lot of stuff. Um, I have, um, I have a production line that we make production line. So I make some, we make mirrors, mostly mirrors, mm -hmm. vases, a lot of stuff that like 
or quirky little projects. I'm also in the middle of making my own e-commerce website. I've been for 10 or 15 years, I've worked with the Artful Home, which is a really wonderful outfit um, based in Madison, Wisconsin. They mm -hmm. sell handmade work from makers across North America. Um, and so, and that's what helped me pay for grad school was my mirror work. Mm -hmm. um, and so that is like web-based um, production. And mm -hmm. that's what mainly what my assistants helped me with. Um, I only have my assistants help me with paid work. So like something that I know is destined for commerce, less yeah. speculative. Um, I am also making a big, I'm making a, a, a whale house, a, a whale sculpture, animals and architecture uh, from my animals and architecture series. And that has been, that's usually, yeah. So that's, that'll be, be done in June. And that's um, a sculpture project. Um, I have been designing um, an accessible tabletop Sloyd mm -hmm. rig kit for mm -hmm. people of differing abilities to be able to learn Sloyd knife work and simple woodworking. Mm -hmm. um, I also teach kids in my studio. Um, I'm big into teaching children. I think if we want to like diversify craft and empower kids, it needs to start young. Mm -hmm. um, and so this right now I have a small pod that I teach every other week in the studio and they're doing college level work. Like I have a four-year-old doing college level work. <laughs> We're making chairs right now, but we do do all sorts of other things like lessons in leverage, yeah. I, you know, learning how to hammer nails and pull nails and build things. I've also been over this last year, been developing, um, making creativity, curiosity, building kits for kids mm -hmm. that um, on the new website will be like a quarterly subscription. Mm -hmm. um, and that was really because kids are spending so much time on the screen right now and building things from kits that are not laser cut, not yeah. cookie cutter, where there is a little more challenge to it. Mm -hmm. And I would say that every child needs hammer time this year and adults yeah. probably <laughs> do too. Um, so the instructional stuff is YouTube, is video-based, but that way I can connect it to the larger world and to trees and to the economy and to history. Mm -hmm. which I think are really important material, um, material lessons. So we have a lot going on in the studio and, you, do. you know, besides like shooting every, getting images of everything for the website. And there's not really a model for how I want to make this website. So that's been a really interesting thing. Writing is not my strong suit. So figuring out like the text and the voice and the, because at first it was just going to be a strict e-commerce site and not my sculpture stuff. And then it's like, it doesn't paint the picture mm -hmm. of like who I am and what the studio does and what it aims to do. Um, and I want to start working, like have an apprentice system in my studio and my studio, I hire women and queer folks and marginalized other like trans mm -hmm. POC folks who 
will have a much harder time finding employment in a mainstream wood shop. Whereas, you know, like right. my studio, I hope for it to be like a safe space, mm-hmm. you know, where, um, yeah, people can feel like they can learn and make mistakes and, um, be a, be a good spot. And mm-hmm. what else are we working on? But we have, yeah, there's a lot <laughs> going on. So, okay. I'm going to try to break down and get to I'm all of them. I'm also a hired gun. I make furniture on commission. <laughs> there which you go. I, is, I make <laughs> objects on commission. I there like made a whole suite of tools for, um, a friend and professor who does fiber textiles and weaving. So it's all these tools for threshing hemp to make textiles. Okay. So I'm going to, okay. I'm going to try to dive into each of these as best I can. So first the kind of the like go-to, you know, like your mirrors and stuff like that, your production type stuff. So do you feel like you mentioned earlier, like, do you feel like you've gotten your past experiences taught you how to like do those objects where you can still make a profit off of them? Yeah. I mean, it's been a learning experience, you know, that like, especially as an employer, because for better or worse, like, I'm, you know, I, we only put high quality work out of the studio. Um, every piece has handmade components mm-hmm. in it. Like all the work is handmade. I get the mirrors routed by a, by a local CNC shop, um, but everything else is done in house. So it just, um, it depends on me being on my game for, for all of that, but like the the mirror that has been our best seller is this mirror with four hand carved birds on it on branches. And those take time when I get Mm -hmm. someone new in the shop and show them how to carve birds. It's like, you're not gonna, like this is a learning day. Like make every mistake possible and don't worry. But like, depending on how my cash flow is, I'm like, "Ah!" (laughs) (laughs) you know, like, I'm just going to eat it today, like yeah. just going to eat it, you know, but I'm not eating it. I am teaching someone so that they can be productive. Like they're investing and I'm I mean, investing. yeah. And I, I can't like getting my expectations right for, mm-hmm. for someone. And how do I explain to, what is the language I use when I want to course correct someone while being ta- also telling them that they're doing a good job and what they're doing right. is hard. And I have high expectations and I can do it like the back of my hand because I've been doing it for so long that like. So, I mean, okay. So that example, your best sell, like, are you, I mean, is it chip carving? Is it like chisel sort of, carving yeah. or is it power, car- like Dremel? No, they're not power carved. They're way okay. too small for that. They're like okay. band sawed and carved. And we have a really good system like mm-hmm. of, you know, the woman who has worked for me for a number of years, like. She is awesome. Thank you, Maggie. You're the best. Um, <laughs> you know that she she knows how to do it really well. And we have all these like templates and jigs mm-hmm. and setups for every part of the process um, to make it. And, and yeah, it just like, they're just time consuming. And if we get the um, 
timing right, it, it goes, it goes bare, you know, it goes reasonably well. Um, part of the, you know, setting up my own website is so that I'll, I'll earn a little bit more money from them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other mirrors are sort of slimmed down with no birds. Like I have a couple of basic forms that I'll do different things with different species. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is because a lot of my other work, the mirrors aren't inexpensive, but they are, um, they're a lower price point so that if someone wants my work or wants to support my studio, they don't have to buy a sculptural, like a big yeah. one of a kind sculptural piece. I really want, you know, sort yeah. of yeah. some intro level pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we do, you know, I've been over the last, like about three years ago, I taught myself, I like researched and taught myself and I like playing scientist a little bit, um, figured out how to marbleize three-dimensional objects. So we have some mirrors that have different marbled hmm. sections on them. And I like that it's like a frozen moment of liquid time mm-hmm. um, with the shallow depth of the slower tree growth. You know, and it's it's a bit decorative, it's faux, it's a shallow depth, but it adds something else. And it's like this one of a kind moment in liquid time, you mm-hmm. know, that's mm-hmm. just been frozen. Um, and I, I have more mirrors that I want to develop, but it takes a lot of time to prototype and bring things yeah. to market. Yeah, yeah, it does. So, okay, so now I want to switch into sculpture. Are you doing, is it all wooden sculpture or are you doing mixed For the most part. Okay. Yeah. Sometimes there'll be metal in them sometimes, but yeah, it's, it's all wood. So I do, the whale is all, um, it's assembled and then carved. So it's additive and then reductive, Mm -hmm. but it's all made with kiln dried, um, kiln dried material for stability. And it's all, yeah, it's all basswood. Okay. Um, yeah, but then I can put it together so that the whole form is really strong. Mm-hmm. So again, with that, when you're carving, what's your process for carving? Is it all hand carved or? No, it's a combination of, so I'll rough as much stuff out, like before I laminate stuff, get like a, a, a contour that gives mm-hmm. me enough flexibility and that'll be on the bandsaw. And then I'll use, um, I use an electric chainsaw and then a holy Galahad on an angle grinder and then chisels and gouges. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, you say angle grinder, you're talking my language. Um, that's what I use all day long (laughs) when I'm doing my carving. Um, uh, but I've always been interested in chisel work. It's just one of those things. It's like, I don't know if I have the patience <laughs> for it, um, you know, because it feels like you got, I mean, you really have to have an attention to detail and really have well, to have, I mean, I mean. I do a lot of roughing work with them. And I just like, I love a grinder, but it's so much more pleasant when your chips are like this big and they just fall to the ground um, and you don't have to wear all yeah. this stuff, you know? So I go through and I use my, you know, like a big roughing gouge yeah. and rough it, then file it, you know, rasp it flat so I can mm-hmm. see where I'm at and then 
gouge, rasp, gouge, rasp, like go through my cutting edge tools. Um, and I, yeah, it's really, it's really fun. I, yeah. Oh, I I'm sure. Highly recommend it. <laughs> I'm sure. Um, yeah, I have no doubt about it. I've never, I have not done um, sculptural pieces like what you're talking about, like what I call like life uh, sculpture. You know, I haven't done animals or plants or figures of any kind. Um, my carving is all around like ma like bowls or tables or mm -hmm. um, like, you know, pieces of furniture or pieces of home decor. Um, and so, yeah, so it's all removing material. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I, I would say that, you know, I remove material and the thing about wood that's different than, than something like ceramics or metal mm -hmm. is that when you're carving, it's only reductive, right? We yep. can't smush and stretch and, yep. you know, like, so everything I feel like goes through this really painful, like <laughs> awkward teenage phase where you're like, is this right? Is <laughs> exactly. This? And like, again, acts of trust being like, yeah. Oh my God. Like I can't, Yep. I can't, I can't, it's not going to, it's never going to work. You right. Know? Really, you know, because, but then also to know that like, you can find a flat in there anywhere and like repair it. And I think yeah. that the ideas of like repair are really important and that we can, you know, we're problem solvers. We just have to pace the problems. You can't yeah. pour them all on, <laughs> right. you know, like one at a time, right. one at a time. <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you by ToolMomStore.com. ToolMom and company is for all ages, genders. They have what you need for your one-stop tool-related merchandise of gifts and clothing. Uh, the products are fun, fashionable, one-of-a-kind. In fact, I have two of the mugs. Uh, one has a circular saw with flames coming off of it. It says, Go Girl. Another one has the definition of a tool chick. Both of them are super awesome, and I have coffee out of them almost every morning. So check out toolmomstore.com or find them on Instagram at toolmombonnie. You can receive an extra 20% off at checkout by using the code MAKERMOM. Yeah, exactly. No, I was actually, I was just having a, a conversation with somebody. It, it was around something similar, but for me, it was around color. And I said, I'm always nervous because I, I predominantly almost every piece I dye some crazy color, like color of the rainbow color, um, except for brown. I don't think I ever dye anything, any shade of brown. Um, but, but I said, I'm, I am nervous as hell every time, you know, I get the dye mixed up and every single time I, I'm like, I'm going to ruin this. It's going to look horrible. <laughs> like, yeah. <you> know. <laughs> I, I feel like dealing with our, like, as everything else in yeah. life, like learning how to handle yourself. Like I get, I still can be like 
irrationally nervous before a delivery or an install. And I'm like, this piece is going to melt overnight in my studio. And I'm like, Nah, no, MDF doesn't melt. And right. I'm like, no, no, it's it's gonna, you know, when you're like, <laughs> slowly roll. Yeah. Slowly roll. <laughs> um, awesome. So I, I do want to ask and spend more time talking about like just you creating this space for, I guess I want to say people who have been othered. Um, especially, oh yeah, especially in this industry. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, I guess where maybe starting with just like, where's that desire coming from for you to make that space? Well, um, one. I, like, number one, I'm the motherfucking boss in my shop. I've earned it. Everything in there is mine. I have bought every single piece of equipment. No one bought it for me. Mm-hmm. I am the boss. And cis white men with a beard and a plaid shirt tend to like to tell people what to do. <laughs> and I can't handle that in my studio. Like, I really, I just, like, I will take input but I find that some people can't give you input. They tell you things. Mm-hmm. And I, I have a really hard time dealing with that. And I have the luxury of not needing to, like, I love other people's thoughts and sensibilities and input, but I have a really hard time when people just like in my space. And this is why my sweetheart and I have a hard time working together. Cause I'm the motherfucking boss in my shop. Like, <laughs> It is, I am the boss. Mm-hmm. Like, that's why I don't have a co-op. I am not that cooperative. Mm-hmm. Like, I love being generous, but like, the, it, you're like walking into the inside of my head. It's yep. my space, Yep. you know? Um, and that's a problematic attitude. I get I it, don't, but it, I don't, mm, I don't want to tell you you're wrong when it's your thought, but I don't think it's a problematic attitude. The reason I don't think it's a problematic attitude is because it's derived from something, right? Yeah. You created a safe space for yourself, not just for others. You created a safe yeah. space for yourself. <laughs> and so yeah. there's nothing wrong to me in protecting that space for yourself. Wow, um, thank you for that. Yeah. I, I, um, I mean, I feel the same way about my shop, right? Like the few times I've had people in to help work on things, they are queer or, you know, I haven't had the luxury of being able to bring in any people of color yet, but like it is for othered. And it is like, if I am letting you in, <laughs> this is my space and yeah. you will respect me in this space. I yeah, created this for me. Right. Yes. And that like, this is my space that I built. And when you want to like, let me know something, there are ways to say it instead of like, Hey, here's another idea. Or like, what would it be like? Instead of like, Oh yeah. If I were you, yeah. you know, like this is the way you need to do it. You know, like, it's like, don't tell me what I need to do. Um, mm-hmm. But my studio is very directly modeled in sort of thinking and framing 
about how I want it to operate from a really dear friend and amazing artist and maker, Tanya Aguiniga, who's an artist and activist. And she has a safe space studio where she hires like uh, women, trans folks, mm -hmm. you know, POC folks. Um, and I was really, I continually am inspired by, by her. And it's wonderful to have all these friends that are also like your mentors and just people mm -hmm. who you're like, oh, that's a, you know, like that I, we can make these spaces. Yeah. And that's what, like, if this is what we want to see in the future, we need to start building them. And like, I, um, and just like having a mentorship apprenticeship program in my studio for like queer and trans youth in Madison as a place mm -hmm. to like, it's not like they have to end up being makers, but like right. to help foster whatever they like, however we can in the studio. And also just like how important it was for me to have a job when I was young that wasn't mainstream because mm -hmm. I wasn't mainstream, you know, mm -hmm. and something that sort of fit my curiosity and sensibility and like, you know, I drilled a million holes and made a million wheels. <laughs> like right, I was right. the CNC, you know, but that there are a lot of real lessons in that, in accountability and how you interact with people and how you clean up after yourself that are like, I think can be done like with care and kindness um, and having people feel like really included and appreciated, you know, like I always thank my employees and like, one of them, this lovely um, queer Chinese human who works for me is like, I learn so much from them. It's like, it's really wonderful to have people and they're like half my age, they're amazing. Right. And I love, they're like a breath of fresh air. It's always a better day when they're there, either of the people who work for me. And like, I'm like, this is great. Mm -hmm. I, you know, but I'm also very flexible. Like my attitude is like, I don't own your time. I buy it from you. And if mm -hmm. you can't work, you know, like we'll have a conversation, you know, it was like, right. as long as the communication is clear, we all, you know, like if 2020, 2021 have taught us anything, you can't count on anything, yep. right? Like that everything falls through in the last minute. And like, you know, how do you, yep. you know, it's an exercise in like resilience and being nimble and navigating and communication and like, and all of that. But I think that, um, like I have had like white guys work for me and I've really changed that. And that's been a, like, I'm like, am I being fair? Am I being this? Whereas like, I just, and they've been, and they've been lovely, but I'm just choosing like over the last two years, that's really stopped. And it's really like, I would like my friend Leon, who's trans, like comes into my you know, I'm like, oh, if I need last minute work, let's ask Leon because they, you know, they're a skater and they've been building skate ramps and learning mm -hmm. how to do one set of more construction like woodworking, but they really love learning other skills and new, like teaching them how to use the bandsaw. And then, mm -hmm. you know, and they're also like me and Craig and Leon are all Virgos and my other assistant, I'm like, you're not a Virgo? Like, of my mind <laughs> like that we're like all it's like total virgo power in the studio and it's 
it's a real, like, I want it to be a healthy environment. It's not always like, it's a challenge. It's a mind fuck. It's like all the things, but if we can find those little like buoys and floaties out there with like, with it. And I I think it's interesting. (laughs) I think it's interesting what you just said about questioning yourself on whether you're being, you were being fair in that decision because without asking a single cis het white male without asking any of them i can guarantee you they don't think that they don't think about is it fair that all i hire is other cis het white males (laughs) they don't think that at all um they're creating their environment so again it's it's i think when you have the privilege to set up your own space there's nothing to feel guilty about if what you want of who you want to encompass in that space isn't necessarily what the industry has always put in that space yeah and like who I want to to help the space support you know because it's like I also want to be like this 2020 being a stable employer was like Mm-hmm. Even though like, I don't have full-time employees, but even though, you know, it was like, yep. I need to not be a part of the ripple effect of yep. destabilizing these, like I have chosen to hire non-mainstream people. So I need to be especially careful to keep it stable, Yeah, you know, like, yep. and to be like, even if it's a harder nut to crack and I am not like, <laughs> you know, like I will yep. find something to do, we'll do stuff but we also do a lot of fun, silly things. Like we're not like, mm-hmm. you know, if, if like there's a lot, you know, there's kid, important kibitz time that we can talk about stuff. Like I love that you can play like ocean bong on my studio speakers, you know, like where do you go into right. a wood shop and you find such a kind voice? Right. <laughs> it's like, I'm like, oh my God, this is why I do this because like, I'm like, that's the sign that like, oh, this is kind of working. You right. know, that like right. we can have those convert like those really challenging conversations, even just like about language, like what I was mm-hmm. saying about like a dick plug. Like yeah. it's just like how can we avoid the like in my teaching, I'm really aware of the gender terms I use, like mm-hmm. for mortis and tenon. Um, I'm trying to get people to say to adopt puzzle terminology of tab and pocket because mm-hmm. it goes together well, it yeah. says it, but it's not gendering it because I'm like if you want to talk anatomy say (laughs) penis and vagina right like don't don't say male and female like also can we also talk about the most like predominantly used joinery now as a domino Mm -hmm. are we saying that most that all of y'all are making gay woodworking (laughs) like come on now (laughs) call a spade a spade here buddy right you know that like I'm like you get people are like you know, so I, you know, and we, I've had a lot of like me and my sweetheart, like they found tab and pocket. They were like really thinking about it. But I think that that has even, you know, when you have trans students in the academy in a studio that they are taking a real risk yes. in taking a class. Like they know that I'm female. They know that I'm gay as the educator, like when I was yeah. at the university, but still like they don't know that from my name unless they look me up. 
mm-hmm. like from my from my name from my legal name everybody thinks I'm like a grandma and gonna walk in in a moo moo <laughs> right because my name is Sylvia <laughs> Rosenthal you know like <laughs> that they're ta- you know to acknowledge the real risk they're taking yeah. yep and that you need to be extremely mindful of your language to not alienate someone and to make them feel safe and to have those conversations within the academy about changing the language and changing all of that, which I think is really important. Do you think, I mean, I guess I don't have any better way to ask this. Does this need for making safe space for queer, for trans, for uh, POC? I mean, is it coming from were there times in your education and in where you worked where you did not feel safe to show up as you? I wouldn't say that I didn't feel safe because I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a child of privilege and I'm mm-hmm. white and I was queer, you know, like I was fine with my queer identity before I went to college. Like I went later, I, you know, like mm-hmm. I came out in high school I went to welding school first and then I went to woodworking school and I was pretty well secure within myself. But within that four-year program, I think one year there were two other women in the program, but most of the time there was just only one other woman. And I think that like, I was just used to that Mm -hmm. sort of a thing, but that's not to say that like, I mean, right, I went to college, you know, I graduated in 2003. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know how old you are, but like language back then was really different. Like, we're about the same age, so that didn't exist. Like, I'm so impressed (laughs) with the youth right now for giving us all this language to be able to talk about things because like back then, like within the last two years, I've realized like, I think I was assaulted in college. Like, but I didn't, like by, by one of my classmates mm-hmm. and I didn't like, I knew it wasn't okay. I stood up for myself in the moment and I told them to never fucking talk to me again, but I didn't tell anyone. Right. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't the language of assault because it wasn't like, I think that because I stopped it, that I like negated it. And was mm-hmm. like, I can handle this. This is someone who I knew liked me. I thought I'd been clear mm-hmm. that like I was gay. I don't <laughs> like you. Right. Like, you know, my girlfriend, you mm-hmm. know, like I thought I assumed all these things, but like, I, I also want to diversify the field. I think it comes mm-hmm. from wanting to diversify the field and like, it is so white and so straight. Like I've been trying to research the, or I, I just keep thinking about the difference between S-T-R-A-I-T and S-T-R-A-I-G-H-T. Mm-hmm. I like the history of words mm-hmm. and etymology a lot and like straight and narrow versus not curved versus like and how really like straight people are S-T-R-A-I-T, you know, like <laughs> the nuance between yeah. the words and um, and how woodworking has a lot of straight lines and is a like and that's sort of like my uh yeah like, <laughs> why why 
you know, that, and that, you know, that, and there's a lot of logic behind why there are straight lines. I, I appreciate mm-hmm. a flat, true line, but I don't right. call it straight, mm-hmm. right? Like it is, um, and, and, I, and I just want the, in order for the field to grow, it needs to be inclusive, right? It has to be wide enough for everybody's vision to be included and and be there and be different and like respect all, you know, be a little more, be edge to being more inclusive of different kinds of um, knowledge because what we consider woodworking for the most part is is mainly European woodworking and then Eastern woodworking, but like nowhere in any program is like African traditions or indigenous traditions, you know, like how did, steel effect like when did steel come in what did people do before you know like there's so many kinds of knowledge that I feel like aren't accepted Mm -hmm. within the field and many of them just like aren't profitable right I get that they're antiquated this is what capitalism brought and industrialization brought to the fore but also like what are the other kinds of knowledge that can detach us from the commodity stream right? Like where we can have a little bit more like reciprocal knowledge. And I think that making the field more inclusive to different kinds of knowledge and ableisms and, and all of that is only to the benefit mm-hmm. of the growth of the field, oh, right? Absolutely. Like if it just like yeah. continues to be one kind of knowledge and people are, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm also really passionate about hands hand tool skills mm-hmm. you know like I am lucky and privileged but I've put in a lot of time and practice with my hand tool skills that like I prefer to use a little plane and a and other things versus sanders a lot more often and that's like the pleasantness of work but also the dexterity but I also mm-hmm. think of the uh, like consumability of abrasives and the amount of trash my studio makes like we make mm-hmm. trash mm-hmm. we make great work and we make trash <laughs> right <laughs> you know like the world is a painful place right but but I do think it's like it's it's if if kids don't see that they can make things and do it either for fun or for a living you know mm-hmm. like a lot of kids just don't see it And I think a little dip your toes in, you know, and like fix the chair. Like I was the only one on on my floor in college who had a toolbox and you know who everybody needed that goddamn hammer. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Um, One, one little, little antidote to say on your, um, uh, you know, different spellings of the word straight uh that just reminds me and people who have listened to the podcast have heard this before the story before but uh to me one of the best insults I've had on social media is I don't even cut straight um (laughs) and I'm like you're right you are correct I power carve I don't make a straight line to save my life (laughs) right and I am no, there is not a straight bone in this body. So it's like, I am okay with that. Uh, I, re- I do really think I need to figure out how to put that on a t-shirt somewhere, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. 
So yeah, like yeah. <laughs> so you know, I am so enjoying this conversation, but I'm looking at the time, and we're like at the end of our time. So I want to make sure that you get a chance to let people know, like how they can find you and follow along with you on all of the interwebs. Yeah, my um, my I have two Instagram handles. One is boat underscore boat obviously um the other one is lower dot astronomy and i'm still figuring out the lower dot astronomy studio one i post on the boat boat one a lot more boat underscore boat came from my friend amerta was like you need to join instagram i was like i don't know i'm like real hesitant and she was like yes you do how about your name i was like what should my name be and this was like what 10 you know whenever it came out no one was doing their real name and she, I was like, I don't know, what should my name be? And she was like, Boat Pants. And I was like, that's way too much for me. How about Boat Boat? <laughs> so you can find me there. I'm also, I'm on Facebook, but I really just post through Instagram. And that's just yeah. Sylvie Rosenthal. Um, but yeah, I will have a new website. Hopefully by the, it'll either be, it'll, it'll be sometime in June. It's. I mean, it was going to be way earlier, but someone mm. needed to do all the photography and writing and still earn a living. Right. Um, <laughs> and that's loweraastronomystudios.com. And okay. we'll have a, we'll have a coming soon page where, where you can like sign up and we'll, we'll let you know when it comes out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm excited to see how it turns out. And I would love to hear people's thoughts on it when it does. Um, yeah, that's my shameless self-promotion. <laughs> nothing nothing to be uh, feel any shame around. That is why that moment is there, to give you plenty yes. of time to do self-promotion. <laughs> so, But thanks for chatting with me today. I, I really did thoroughly enjoy it. Yeah, this is great. And if folks have questions and want to follow up, you can questions, comments, and or concerns can be directed to sylvie.rosenthal at gmail.com. <laughs> Excellent. That's what I would tell my students. That's why I have that down. You've got it down. All right. So again, that was Sylvie Rosenthal. I'll include the links on how you can follow along with her and find all of the pieces she's working on in the show notes for the episode. So you can find that in the description of the episode for whatever podcast app you're using. And then if you're watching this on YouTube, just check the description down below and you'll find those links. All right. So I mentioned at the top of the podcast about checking out the Patreon, patreon.com forward slash wonder women pod. If you would like to help support the podcast and producing two episodes a week, every week, I'd also love to see you follow along over on Instagram. And that's just at wonder women pod and again women is with an en so go check that out when i am not chatting with fabulous makers and putting together podcast episodes you can find me designing and making furniture and other home decor over at freemanfurnishings.com and at freeman furnishings across pretty much all the social media platforms um, active daily on Instagram and TikTok, and that's just at Freeman Furnishing, so you can see what is the latest project I am working on. 
and any new dance moves I have going on in the shop. All right, so Wednesday episode midweek. Hope you're having a fabulous week so far, and I will see you all on Friday with a brand new episode. Thank you.